0: Testing, one, two, three. Okay. We want to say thank you. We felt like uh, we have been welcomed with open arms and um, just like we're coming back to see old friends. And so thank you. Thank you for that. Um, You know, we live in Romania, and... um, Often it's really easy to lose sight of the people that have supported you on this side of the ocean to be there. And so it's just been wonderful to get reacquainted with many of you. I want to just just have a few words this evening about the gospel, but I, uh, well, about the mission of God. But I want to do that from Acts chapter 1. So if you have your copy of God's Word with you this evening whether it is on an iPad or an iPhone or whatever you happen to be carrying or even a good old paper Bible. I'd like to read from Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 1 through verse 8. In the first book of Theophilus, I have "...dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during forty days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me." Uh, For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You know, it's it's a fascinating, it's just been fascinating to me as we meet people, we meet Christians from different denominations and from different churches and different cultures. And they ask you who you are and what you're doing. And so when we get to the point that we say, well, we happen to be missionaries, we get a really interesting reaction from people. Some people have no concept of what a missionary is and what a missionary does but there are others who look at you and suddenly it's almost as if you get put on this pedestal where you are this bigger than life person and i even had one day uh one man describe uh, describe us as being the special forces of christian uh, of christendom and that is a really str- it's really strange for me to hear us described that way because if you knew us if you were with us on the mission field and you're going to see some slides in a minute some of the things that we do we are just like you guys we're just like you just like you we love jesus just like you we read the bible just like you we uh we use the gifts that god has given us in order to reach out to create relationships with people so that hopefully there'll be an opportunity To share our faith—that's all we do. There's nothing magical about it, but yet there are people who who tell us that it's it's absolutely amazing what we do. But then we talk to people who you ask them, "When was the last time they shared their faith?" And they, some of them, hang their heads. And recognize that they should be doing that, but they they don't. Uh, some appeal to some years ago, some event that happened way back when. Um, and others just simply say, "Well, I'm not gifted in evangelism." That's the that's the that's the excuse that we use. You know, we're just God has gifted some to be evangelists, and so I just don't happen to be gifted that way. So that's somebody else's problem. Okay. But then the more you talk to people, the more that you see that many of them have got this wrong understanding of the mission of God. They have created this this idea from somewhere that they just don't have a testimony that is amazing enough to really impact someone with the gospel. I'm just a regular person. I don't have any amazing testimony. There's, I, I, I wasn't a dirty, rotten, drunk in a gutter, and, and, and God changed me so, so drastically. I'm just a normal person. Who'd want to listen to me? And because of that, this evening is an introduction to what we're going to share. I want to just share some thoughts from this passage, because I think... Luke has it right. See, when Luke is writing, remember he's writing to this person named Theophilus, okay? Theophilus is mentioned one other time in the beginning of the Gospel of Luke. We really have no idea who he is. Some people suggest that it's a fictitious name in order to to, um, hide the identity of this person. Others have some other idea of who he may be. But here's the point that I want to make this evening. Notice, Luke has just got done giving 24 chapters on the gospel. But then when he starts in Acts, he starts this way. I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up after he had been given commands through his Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. Why does he go back to the gospel? Didn't Theophilus know? Hadn't Theophilus already read Luke, more than likely? Why does he go back to the gospel? And I think one of the things that we need to remember as Christians is our relationship with others begins and ends with the gospel. It does. The mission of God begins and ends with the gospel. We can never get it's not dependent upon me to have a clever um, testimony that is going to lead somebody to Jesus. At some point, I have to give the gospel. Go into all the world and, what? teach the gospel. The word of God. Now, we forget that. And I want to make a note here. We're forgetful people. We come to faith in Christ. God takes us. He helps us see that we're a wretched sinner in need of saving. He gives us joy when we realize that he has now saved us in Christ. And then... Sometimes, because we're so excited, what do we do? We go out and tell others what God has done for me, and then over time, what happens? I go to church, I go to Sunday school, and on and on and on, and I forget. Well, well, do I really forget the gospel? No, but I become complacent. What I forget is the impact that the gospel had upon me. What I forget is the impact that the gospel is intended to have on other people. It is foolishness, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. It's the gospel. And so, God doesn't need my help. God doesn't need my clever testimony. I don't need to go out and become a wretched, wretched sinner and in a gutter to be resurrected again to to saving life to have a testimony. The testimony of Christ is here in the Word of God. And we forget that. We are called to make disciples. We are called to mature disciples. Now, lest you think that it's uh, only us that have a problem with forgetfulness, we just need to go back to the Old Testament. and we see over and over and over again where Jesus or God says, "Remind them of fourth chapter of Deuteronomy verse nine, Remind them of my statute." And as we go through the scriptures over and over and over again, the word of God is saying, remember. Deuteronomy 8. When you have all of these things that you didn't that you didn't build for yourself, when when I turn all of this over to you, be careful because you're going to forget. You're going to forget who gave them to you. Beware. Be careful. You see, God's people have always been a forgetful people. When things are going well, it's easy for us to become complacent. When things are going well, it's easier for us to say, you know, especially as I get older, you know, my my temptation is to say, "Wow, wow, I've been doing this for almost 20 years. You know, it's time for me to coast a little bit. Be careful. Be careful that you've don't forget the gospel. Be careful you don't forget the gospel, what the gospel did for you. Be careful that you don't forget the gratitude that you had when God took you, a wretched sinner, and saved you by his grace. Because that gratitude will stir you up to share your faith with others. But the second point that I want to make out of this text, and and we're not being exhaustive here, we could be here for quite a while, is this. It's God's mission, not ours. It's God's mission. And why do I say it's not ours? Because if it's God's mission, then he's the one that determines success. Right? I saw a guy, we were driving through, South Carolina coming up from uh, Florida, and uh, there was a there was a black man in a gas station and, and he had this pair of pants on that actually looked like he had his underwear here and his pants way down here and uh, and he was he walked out to his car beautiful car uh, and he's he's uh, polishing his car you know he 's blocking a pump, which is okay I mean there was nobody else trying to get in. It, in to use it but he's polishing his car and, he, and you could tell he took a lot of you know took great care of it and i said to him that's a beautiful car he said thank you and so then he started then he wanted to talk and he said you know this is the this is what my father helped me buy before he died And he just presented such a wonderful opportunity because then I was able to say to him, you know, my father is 82 years old and he's been diagnosed with uh, congestive heart failure and they're giving him only a few months to live. I said, but I know it's okay because he loves Jesus. And he looked at me and he smiled. And... It was amazing to me. I didn't have to say a lot. I didn't have to sit down with my Bible open and go through through the Romans road. It was just simply the encouragement that there was a Christ that my father had hope in. And it was a challenge to him. Where's your hope? I spent a few minutes with him. Not very long. But when he drove away, he smiled and he waved. And I thought to myself, thank you, God. All because I admired his karma. It's God's mission. But you know what we do is, is because we feel guilty sometimes, we think there must be some magic bullet in order to be able to give the gospel. So what we do is we think, well, maybe evangelism explosion is the way. So we go to a, a class on EE or... Or maybe it's, uh, it's the way of the Master. Maybe that's the way. So we, we go to training in the way of the Master, but we don't open our mouth to others. We can get all the training in the world, but until we recognize it's God's mission, He has the vested interest in its success. It's not about my clever ability to speak. And to convince it's about the gospel. Until we realize that, we're always going to feel this this heavy responsibility to be perfect. You know what? You need to come visit us on the mission field. We're not perfect. But our door's always open. And we're always seeking to build relationships with people that the Lord might open a door for us to share Christ. But we trust that it's God's mission. And whether we have success or not, that's in His his hands. The third point that I want to make notice the reaction of the disciples. Jesus has just told them, you know, through verse 5, what the mission is, what they're to be about, what his intention for them is. And, And so they jump out and they say, well, Lord, at this time, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Think about that for a minute. You see, this would have been normal for them. Because Old Testament... Scriptures, there are Old Testament texts that talk about the coming of the Spirit of God and the restoration of Israel together as if when the Spirit comes, Israel will be restored. And so this would have been a natural question, but it was not the right question. And the reason it was not the right question is because they weren't focused on the mission, they were focused on the end. How many Christians did you know are not focused on the mission, but are focused on the end. Think about it. We are so focused on heaven. We are so focused on eternity. We are so focused on what will be that it interferes with our daily mission that has been given to us by God. You know, it's not wrong to hope for heaven. Paul did. Just read Philippians 1. Paul thought it was better to go into, that it would be wonderful to go and be with God, but he says, you know, it's better for you that I stay. So I know I'm going to stay. God's people, we as God's people, need to understand that we have a mission. And I know you know that. I mean, your support of us over the years uh, has just been, been... You'll receive your reward from God because I can't give it to you. It's been a blessing. But sometimes it's easy for us to write the check rather than talk to our neighbor. Sometimes it's easier to pray for missions overseas than it is to pray for a family member. Oh, so-and-so will never respond. He'll never hear. He never wants to hear. Well, you know what? That's not your business or my business. Is it? That's God's business because it's God's mission. And so what I want to challenge us all with this evening is that if we have been a bit complacent, if we have been a bit too comfortable, that maybe it's time for us to realize that, once again, God calls us to be on task. We're alive, our heart is beating, we're breathing. We're still on mission. I shared with somebody earlier that uh, there's a guy that's been doing our finances for us and he says, you're not putting enough away for retirement. You're not putting enough away for retirement. And then I shared with Monika, well, the last time I saw Moses retired was when God took him. So I don't know what's going to happen with us. Sure, we need to be wise. But our focus needs to be the mission of God. Our focus needs to be the gospel. What opportunities does God have for you? What what opportunities does God have for us when we leave here and head north and maybe stop at a gas station? Who knows? But am I paying attention? Am I trusting that uh, because it's God's mission, he determines success, not me? And then... As I live, as I I go, wherever I go each day, am I focusing on the mission itself? I'm still breathing. You're still breathing. And we as God's people need to be at work, whether it's here or whether it's there. God has work for us to do. Amen? Amen. So. I want to share with you some slides, but if you have ever sat in on our presentation before, you know that my wife has taught me a long time ago that I'm not allowed to wander because I can wander. So I have scripted our presentation, and she is back there. I'm going to flip through the slides, and hopefully we're going to leave time at the end that if you have any questions that uh, we will be happy to uh, answer your questions. In thinking back over the past several years, I'm reminded of how far the Lord has brought us in ministry. There was a time when missions was only a desire, an idea. But today, we've been allowed to serve the Lord Christ on the field in Romania for nearly 20 years. We've seen a lot of changes in us and in the country as well. Our return this time was partly motivated by these guys. These are Rebecca's children, Lillian, Zane, Nathaniel, and the newest member, Raina. And this is Rebe- Alyssa's little girl, Piper, and her new sister, Findlay, born on April 1st. Yep, April 1st. For those of you who don't know, Romania is in Eastern Europe. We live in nor- the northeast of the country near the border of the Republic of Moldova in a city named Iași. Romania has some of the most beautiful scenery in the world, and outside the cities, life has not changed much. Every morning, the cows are driven out into the fields. And in the evening, they return to their own homes without a guide. Many still harvest their fields by hand. And when we have a chance to escape the city, we really enjoy the granite mountains near the Red Lake. As the West continues to influence Romania, many are trying to keep their traditions alive by teaching them to the younger generation. So history abounds all around us with castles and monasteries. My uh, page just went away. Uh, And the food, uh, especially Papanash, is worth the trip, just to sample. I'm getting a lot of feedback. Walking down the street can be a challenge at times, as Romania is still recovering from years of poverty. Following the fall of communism in 1989, change takes time. English is more common today than when we first arrived, but still a bit tricky for some to learn. We would translate this sign, exit to the city. And even the tech industry has a flair for the dramatic at times. The state religion is Romanian orthodoxy. These churches are very ornate, decorated with icons and pictures. More than 70% of the people consider themselves orthodox, with officially less than 7% evangelical. In our city, less than uh, one-half of 1% are evangelical Christian. Keep that in mind. That is a local uh, statistic. We left Hunedwara and moved to Yash, (coughs) In 2015, Yash is the second-largest city in Romania, second only to the capital of Bucharest. Its main attraction is the many universities that attract students from all over the world. Over 400,000 people live here, with many foreign companies coming to start new businesses every year. Yash is also a historical and cultural center that attracts visitors from all over the world. It's medical school and many of its other universities teach in Romanian, French, and English. Early in 2016, I was asked to co-pastor Ecclesia International Church in Yash, alongside Pastor Paul Schneider on the left. Our little church is there to meet the needs of the English-speaking population. At one time, our congregation were mostly single students, but God has begun to bring us families in recent years. We love our little congregation that is constantly changing as... Each year, new students come and other students graduate. It's wonderful to see our young people stepping up to serve the body. We're grateful to God for what he is doing and how he is using us. We are not only watching people come to faith, but learn to love the word of God also. Whether it's a college student from Morocco or an airline pilot from Italy, God is working. Our pilot, Francesco, said to me once, I know why God has brought us to Yash." to teach us. Our little church is truly a family. Some of the students even call us mom and dad. Monica began and continues to coordinate our kids' program and trains others to do the same. (coughs) Having children is something new, but it has become a real blessing for the church. We use holidays like American Thanksgivings to attract unbelievers to spend time with us. This past year, Thanksgiving, this past Thanksgiving, we encouraged our young people to invite their unbelieving friends. Monika did a lot of cooking. Her sewing skills came in handy, too, especially for Christmas plays. She spends a lot of time passing on her creativity to others. We learned a long time ago that food is an international language that draws people together. Even around the holidays, internationals miss family. So we open our door to meet the need for friendship, doors that often lead to spiritual conversations, too. I know it seems like food is an important element in our church, but it's not about the food. It's about spending time together. You can't tell what holiday that is. it's about making opportunities for the word of God and prayer. And uh, yeah, we miss our little family every year during exam time. We reach out to the international students with food packets. It's another way we can express the love of Christ to our young people and their friends. Every year we also celebrate with our graduating students. Two years ago, we even held our own graduation ceremony for students who were prevented from graduating because of COVID. Monika is often asked to make the cakes for these events After graduation, most of our young people leave us to do their medical residencies elsewhere. Occasionally some stay. Like my Chinese-Malaysian friend, William, who's in his fourth year surgical residency and a member of our church. By the way, he just got married last week. One way we reach out to our students is to provide a safe place to have fun that we call Friday Fun Night. We provide food, play games, encourage our young people to find opportunities to share the gospel during the event. We also offer our home for our young people to use when they need a place for social activities. Whether it's Bible studies, food, or even movie nights, our home stays pretty busy. This past year, I began a study that I call Bible Intensive with some of our young people to help them develop their scriptural observation skills. Our first book, our first study, took a weekend to complete the entire book of Acts, looking for clues to describe the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. They then had to take what they learned and transfer transfer it to a simple diagram explaining what they found. Monica kept them energized by providing them food and snacks while I tried to keep them motivated. The second study was the book of John, where we learned about the person and the work of Christ. More than one student commented that they had. Seen th- uh, that they had uh, seen things in the text this time that they had never seen before. Even though they joked their brains were ready to explode, many asked to do it again. Outside the International Church, we work with the Romanian Baptist Church in the city. This provides other opportunities to preach and teach and to help shoulder the ministry, of bur- uh, ministry burden with a local Romanian pastor. We also started a men's ministry in the Baptist church to try and motivate the men to be more involved in leadership in their families and the church. Monica has also partnered with a Romanian woman to reach out uh, with the gospel to mothers with, of disabled children in Yash. Now, once a month, they also travel to the capital of the Republic of Moldova to bring the gospel and encouragement to a group of mothers there also. This ministry has been a challenge, as she teaches only in Romanian, but I hear her joy of serving these ladies in the stories she tells about God changing hearts. We also use our building skills to help both churches. This last year, in the International Church, we created a study space for students. We also use this space for outreach opportunities like Bible studies and Romanian and English language lessons. While planning this remodel, students and other church members asked to help so that they could learn some practical skills. It's a small space, but we've tried to make it a blessing for those who want to use it. Besides, it's a lot of fun to teach life lessons, life skills to people who want to learn, whether it's turning a desk into a kitchen cart or teaching how to repair and paint walls and install electrical outlets. This past year, we also served the Romanian Baptist Church by destroying their old sidewalks and replacing them, creating handicapped access to the first and second floors of the building. As always, Monika was there to help me. The Romanian brothers call her the engineer, as she's very detail-oriented, wanting to see everything done to the glory of God. We also wanted to bless the Romanian Baptist Church by repairing their fellowship hall. It took us a week of removing tape, repairing cracks and crumbling plaster, in preparation for a group of young people from California. With their youthful energy, we were able to paint the room twice in one day. None of these young people were really considering missions as a career. They just wanted to come and encourage and bless us. Whatever the project we had going, they wanted to be part of. In the end, the transformation was amazing, and to this day, the Baptist Church has people asking to use this space. Once the team left, Monique and I got busy with the final touches, including a protective railing for the stairway. We'd love to bless them now with new carpet, and we're trusting the Lord will supply the funds to uh, continue to help repair their building. Speaking of repairs, this past rainy season proved the roof to the Baptist Church needed replaced. We are thankful to everyone who helped supply the funds to buy the materials and hire a team to replace it, and Monica are very grateful because we didn't have to do it. Monica is often called upon to cook for gatherings, and young people sometimes come and help her. To either learn how to cook or to improve their cooking skills. For us, missions is not about preaching—not only about preaching the gospel, but about creating relationships. We realize if we want to have a deeper impact on our young people, we can't just do church, but we must live life with them. We try to become a part of their lives and allow them to become a part of ours too. I think Monique and I can honestly say that working with these international students has been a blessing. Sometimes we feel like mom and dad, grandma and grandpa or at other times pastor and teacher. But most of all, we go To the U.S., uh, I just want to give a little note about Ukraine. Uh, we returned to the U.S. in January. The events in Ukraine had not yet begun. While the country of Ukraine is about one and a half to two hours north of us, the possibility of war with Russia was mostly rumor. Now, as you know, it's reality. One of the members of the International Church, Romania himself, wrote of his disappointment with the Romanian government over their slowness to respond to refugees fleeing the conflict but he expressed his pride in the Romanian people who set up websites, uh, shelters, provided rides for refugees crossing into Romania uh, to direct the re- refugees to food, shelter, and other assistance. The International Church has been trying to help the international students who have fled Ukraine to get back home or for those that want to stay to help them get resettled and re-registered for school in Yash. What has encouraged me most of all is are the actions of Uh, TAKEN BY THE BAPTIST CHURCH TO ASSIST REFUGEES. WHEN ALL THIS BEGAN, THEY OPENED THEIR DOORS TO HOUSE AND FEED REFUGEES. THEY ALSO PARTNERED WITH OTHER BAPTIST churches TO RENOVATE A BATHROOM AND PROVIDE A SHOWER AND WASHING MACHINE AND A KITCHEN TO FEED THEM. THEY NOW HOUSE 16 REFUGEES EVERY NIGHT AND HAVE BEEN SINCE MID-FEBRUARY. THERE'S A COST TO THEIR COMPASSION, HOWEVER. Pastor Cyprian told me last week their bill for natural gas in February alone exceeded $1,500 U.S. That does not include electricity, water, and food. When I asked how we could help, they said their greatest need right now is financial resources. By the way, those fleeing the conflict are no longer limited to Ukrainians. We're getting reports that recent bombings in uh, the uh, eastern part of the Republic of Moldova Called Transnistria, uh, has caused people from that country also now to seek asylum in Romania. Since all of this started, people have asked us if we're going back. It's a good question. Right now, it is our plan to go back. We have tickets for the 26th of July, and I'm excited about the future and what God might do there. And we appreciate very much your support and your encouragement. As I mentioned earlier, September 2023, should the Lord allow us to continue to serve him that long, will mark 20 years of missions ministry for us, and it's gone by so quickly. And you have been with us from the beginning. Thank you. May the Lord continue to bless all of you as you seek to make and mature disciples here and as you seek to make immature disciples around the world. So, if you have any questions, I would be happy to try.